0: many will know the experience of hesitation in obedience to that call to go and to speak and to serve. Some will know the experience of running in the opposite direction because it's too hard or too costly or too daunting or too painful. Many of us will read the story of Jonah and while we might criticize him we actually relate to him more than we would like to admit.
1: You're listening to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths. And uh, Jonathan, I think you're absolutely right. Many of us do see ourselves in Jonah, if we're going to be honest about that. May not get on a boat and sail some 1,500 miles away (laughs) from where we heard the voice of God. But I think we can be quick to either ignore that voice or to just simply uh, say, "I'm, I'm going to do my own thing. I don't care what God has called me to do.
0: Oh, I think that's right, Steve, and I think that's why Jonah is such an important book for us to study, such a helpful book, because it shines a light into the depths of our own soul, and we recognize something of ourselves in Jonah. And the truth is that God has issued His call to each of us in His Word, the Bible. He's He's issued a call, first and foremost, to repent and believe the gospel, to trust in Jesus and follow Jesus. And I guess there will be some listening today. Maybe you have heard that call. And right now, your hesitation is in making that initial response. And I think Jonah's a challenge to respond to the voice of God. For others of us, it's a particular call to obedience, something we've seen in the Bible, something in the Scriptures, and we're hesitant, and we don't want to respond. And in Jonah, I think we see a challenge to take seriously the voice of God and to heed that voice, and think I think it's going to do us good to dig into this part of the Word of God together.
1: Well, that part is the book of Jonah, the first two chapters, so grab a Bible and open it there as we continue a message called Grace to the Depths. Here is Jonathan.
0: Jonah is with a whole crew of pagan sailors, rough, unbelieving guys with all their pagan gods, verse 5. They're crying out to them. They know nothing of the Lord, nothing of the Word, nothing of salvation. But when they recognize that the Lord God of Israel has made this storm and is able to make it go away, notice what happens in their lives. It's very intriguing. Verse 14, who do they call upon? Then they cried to the Lord, the covenant God of Israel, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, O Lord, have done as you pleased." Then they took Jonah, and they threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. These sailors on the Med, they weren't meant to be involved in the story at all. But through the apparent mishap of Jonah's disobedience and sin, God brought witness to them a witness of his power and his sovereignty. Now, what did that mean in the lives of those men? Were they converted through this? Well, I don't think we can be sure from this brief account. We're not given all the details. But it sounds pretty significant, doesn't it? They recognize the Lord. They fear him. They make sacrifices and vows to him. In any case, whatever their spiritual standing at the end of the chapter This whole incident causes a group of Gentiles to praise the true and the living God. The whole incident works to bring witness to them and it brings glory to God. Now, the polytheistic idol-worshiping men on that ship, they didn't have any claim on God. The people of Nineveh, in all their sin, they had no right to a word of warning that would allow them opportunity to repent. But you see, God is merciful to the undeserving. And in his sovereignty, he has his ways of bringing his witness to the lost. And he's more than able to do it despite and even through the failures of his messengers. It's wonderful. You see, our God is the great missionary God. He is in the business of reaching the unreached. One of the great lessons that Jonah needed to learn was the depths of mercy to be found in the heart of God. He needed not only to understand it on an intellectual level, as he clearly did, he needed to know it in his heart of hearts in such a way as actually to share it. That was what Jonah needed. And friends, I wonder if you and I today need it as well. I wonder if you and I today really understand the heart of God, really grasp the depths of his mercy to the undeserving, his mercy to those who aren't listening, to those who are actually quite content in their sin, those who aren't waiting for a word from God. As I reflect upon it, I think it's quite easy for us to have two categories in our mind when it comes to unbelievers, to non-Christians. We have those who we imagine are likely or even worthy potential converts, probably people a fair bit, you know, like us, maybe people related to us or people who work with us or live near us, people we could imagine coming to faith and then entering into our Christian community those are the kind of people we want to talk to about the gospel, or at least those are the kind of people we'd be willing to talk to in principle, even if we are reticent in practice. That's one category, but then we've got another category of people, don't we? And maybe we've never really articulated this to ourselves, but we've got a category of people somewhere in our mind's eye who really aren't conversion material. You know, people we could never really imagine coming to faith. People we could never really imagine welcoming into our Christian community. People, if we're honest, who we might tend to see as being beyond the grace of God. And into that category, I don't know, we might put terrorists or violent criminals. We might put aggressive atheists, hardened secularists in our culture, real enemies of the gospel. And you might have your own categories of people woven into your assumptions. People who are really, in one way or another, beyond the grace of God. We would never say that, of course. We wouldn't say it. We would probably not even want to acknowledge it to ourselves. But the story of Jonah, it highlights something in the heart of the believer, doesn't it? A shocking assumption that God's grace is only for some, is the territory and the property of only a few And that true pagans, hardened sinners, they don't merit, they don't deserve the grace of God. But you see, the story reminds us, and it proves to us, as it proves to Jonah, that God's mercy is deeper than we can ever fathom. And his sovereignty in reaching the distant lost, the unlikely lost, it is bigger and it is wider than we could ever imagine. You may know that the story of Jonah is picked up in a very brief, but I think very significant way in the New Testament. In Matthew 12, Jesus is engaging with the Pharisees and teachers of the law. They want a miraculous sign from him. And in response, Jesus says to this to them, Matthew 12, verse 39, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now one greater than Jonah is here." In the story of Jonah, God worked sovereignly and perseveringly to get his prophet to the lost people of Nineveh. And on his way, he got his prophet to the lost people on that boat. God made it happen. But Jonah's journey is just a faint foreshadowing of the greater journey of the greater prophet. The journey that happened against greater odds and at much greater cost. To what lengths will God go to reach a lost people, to bring his mercy and to bring his grace to those who do not deserve it and who are not seeking it? Well, God will go to the cross in the person of his Son. He will come. He will live. He will go down to the grave. He will rise again. He will bear in himself the cost of human rebellion. He will pay the penalty for sin. He will do all that is needed to save even the most distant and the most unlikely soul. See, those are the lengths to which God will go. And so, friends, where do you and I need to learn afresh the heart of God? Where does our sense of merciful concern for the lost need to stretch, and where does it need to grow? Where does it need to grow in light of the mission of Jonah, in light of the mission of the one who came, greater than Jonah, to seek and to save the lost? There may be some here today, I don't know, and you feel that you're beyond the grace of God. Maybe you feel you've you know, you've done too much, or you've gone too far ever to be reached by the forgiving, redeeming kindness of God. Well, if that's you, and there may be some here who feel just like that today, if that's you, see and learn from God's heart for these sailors, from God's heart for Nineveh. See that in Christ, he reaches out to you. He calls you from rebellion, and he offers you grace today. Grace that you don't deserve. Grace that you could never earn. But grace through the one who came even to die for you that you might be rescued. Here in this wonderful, in this surprising story, we see that the sovereign God is merciful to the undeserving lost. And next, we see that the sovereign God is merciful to his undeserving servant as well. When we were living in London, there was a spate of burglaries in our neighborhood. It was kind of petty crime and nothing much more. But it got a bit of media attention. One night, the crooks had a bit of an embarrassing time when they decided to target a house that belonged to a BBC journalist. This guy was involved in the nature programming wing of the BBC and he had a a webcam set up in his his backyard there, uh, live streaming to capture shots of foxes who like to hang out there in the night. So, So there is this thing streaming globally. This BBC journalist had quite a number of followers, I think. There was this webcam streaming globally and there were these wonderful shots published in the paper the next day and on the news of these two hapless crooks looking completely ridiculous completely silly kind of creeping around in this backyard for everyone to see and you look at that footage and you think you guys are ridiculous (laughs) I mean it makes you cringe to see them embarrassing themselves like that it was quite funny but well watching Jonah in action here it strikes me it can feel a little bit like that I mean he couldn't look more ridiculous if he tried Just notice again what he's up to. Verse three, he runs away from the Lord. He gets on a boat. We're told to flee from the Lord like that's going to work. He thinks that if he gets on a boat, hunkers down below deck and sleeps this whole thing off, he might manage to evade the Lord's call on his life. The Lord might not notice or the Lord might forget or something. When that clearly doesn't work, he eventually accepts the obvious. He's going to go for a swim and this probably isn't going to end well for him. You see, we look on in bemused wonderment, really, at his folly, incredulous at his behavior. Now, it's easy to see the absurdity of his ways, and I think the book is written in such a way that we're meant to see the absurdity of his ways. But as we reflect on Jonah's folly just a little more deeply, I think many of us will see at least something of our own heart reflected here. If we're believers, we know the Lord's call on our lives. In the most general sense, we know his basic call to follow him, to serve him, to pursue godliness. And some here will know the experience of running in the opposite direction, at least for a time refusing to hear God's voice in his word, refusing to go the way you know he calls you to go because he's made it so clear in the scriptures. Maybe you are here physically this morning, but in truth, in your heart of hearts, you are actively on the run from God right now. I suspect there will be a number beyond that general call to walk with him and to pursue godliness and so on. We know as well his missionary call, don't we? Not to go to Nineveh specifically and proclaim God's word to that city, but the call of Jesus in Matthew 28, which we know so well. The call for each of us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And within that missionary call, which is for all of us, each one of us will sense that the Lord has put particular opportunities before us and on our heart. Opportunities for particular kinds of ministry or opportunities to bring the gospel to particular people within our sphere of influence. And many will know the experience of hesitation in obedience to that call to go and to speak and to serve. Some will know the experience of running in the opposite direction, perhaps for a good long time, because it's too hard or too costly or too daunting or too painful. Many of us will read the story of Jonah, and while we might criticize him, we actually relate to him more than we would like to admit. And for us reluctant servants, for us sometimes disobedient servants, the story of Jonah shows us God's incredible grace and his incredible mercy to people like us.
1: You're listening to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths and a message called Grace to the Depths. It's the first message in our series by that same title. So we're taking a look today at Jonah chapters 1 and 2. Maybe you missed part of today's broadcast you have to leave early or you joined us late, or you just want to go back and listen again, you can always do that at our website, which is EncounterTheTruth.org. You can stream the program or download an MP3 for free. But whether you listen online or through the radio, it's made possible through your generosity. So thank you for giving to and supporting this ministry. We'd love to send you, as our way of saying thanks, a book that Jonathan has picked. It's called The Names of Jesus, written by Bible teacher Warren Wiersbe. And it's our thank you gift to you for your financial support this month. You can give a gift over the phone when you call us at 833-99-TRUTH. That's 1-833-998-7884. Or our website is EncounterTheTruth.org. Let's get back to the message. Again, here is Jonathan.
0: The very fact that God caused the story to be recorded for us in his word, that's a gracious thing right there. Gracious because it acts as a warning to us for those times when we might think of doing a runner from the Lord's. You see, for Jonah, that experience, it did not go well. It's quite interesting, actually, the way in which the story is told very decisively as an account of going down, of descent, of reaching rock bottom. In verse 3, we read that Jonah ran away from the Lord. He went down to Joppa. Now, that language of going down there in verse 3, it can be used elsewhere in the Bible as a euphemism, as a kind of figure of speech for death itself kind of going down into the grave. Well, then he gets on the boat and he goes down again, down below deck, middle of verse 5. And he goes into a deep sleep, so deep that he can sleep through this immense storm. It's as though Jonah has descended into a very low place, a place approximating death. And in spiritual terms, of course, that's what's happening. He's sinking. But he hadn't yet reached rock bottom. No, that was still to come. That would come with the deep dive and the descent to the bottom in the belly of the fish. And in chapter 2, verse 6, we reach the very lowest point of that descent. He writes, To the mountains, to the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. Down, 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 down he went. What are we being shown? What are we being told? We're seeing in Jonah's experience that running away from the Lord, it is a descent to the bottom. It is to go even in the direction of the grave itself. And Jonah, for one, he knows full well that the Lord has sent him down. Chapter 2 and verse 2. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me, all your waves and breakers swept over me. The Lord has brought Jonah down. But he has done this not to destroy him, but he has done it to correct him, to reprove him, to discipline him. And it's wonderful to read that prayer of Jonah's from the bottom of the sea. To find that there, at the lowest point, he learns to cry out to the Lord again. Chapter 2 and verse 1. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. And already it sounds more relational, doesn't it? His God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me from the depths of the grave. You see, he knows he's been sinking down to the grave. From the depths of the grave, I called for help and you listened to my cry and then jumped down to verse seven. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And you see, Jonah knew that he had been saved. What a prayer. What spiritual insight. What heart change is taking place in Jonah. He's still got a long way to go, as chapters 3 and 4 will show us But the Lord is doing something in Jonah. The Lord has brought him a long way already. But the Lord didn't do that the quick way. And he didn't do it the easy way. He allowed Jonah to run for a little bit. He allowed him to get onto that boat. And he brought him to a hard and a painful and a dangerous situation out on the sea. He worked his sovereign power to bring Jonah just about as low as he could go. But Jonah had to reach rock bottom before he learned once again to cry out to the Lord. See, this story, it's not just a story of the mercy of God to Nineveh, to undeserving pagans. No, it is a story of God's mercy to Jonah, to a reluctant, sinful, disobedient servant who was totally undeserving of the grace of God. I think there is some level upon which all of us can relate to the story of Jonah, All of us can relate to his sinful folly. We've all gone the other way from the way God calls us, in big ways, in small ways. As servants of God, we've all done it. And some will be doing it even today. And what the story of Jonah teaches us is simply this. When God brings us low, when he sees fit to humble us and even chastise us in our sin and rebellion, and he can do that. When he does that, he is acting in mercy that we might see our folly, that we might turn to him and cry out to him once more. No doubt there are some here today and you've been on the run. You've been rejecting the call of God on your life in some way, that call to holiness The call to play your part in the great commission. The call to serve him in some particular way and in some particular context. And you know, actually, if you're being honest about it, you know that the Lord's hand has been heavy upon you as you've wandered and as you've run. And for some, the simple application, the simple takeaway this morning is this. Have the sense to do what Jonah ultimately did. Call upon the Lord Turn your heart back to the Lord and allow him once again to raise you up. It's so simple the way in which the chapter ends, but it's wonderful too. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. The Lord wasn't done with Jonah, Jonah's life. It wasn't over, even though he must have felt that it should have been at points and the Lord doesn't give up on his people and his servants. In, even in our waywardness, even in our reluctance and sin, he mercifully and sovereignly pursues us that he might restore us, that he might use us once again. How merciful is God? How big is his heart? How wide is his reach to the lost and to the wayward? The sovereign God is more merciful and gracious than you and I could ever dream, or we could fully know. His mercy, it reaches the most wayward of His servants, and it reaches the most unreachable of the lost.
1: What a way to wrap up today's broadcast. It's called Grace to the Depths, and it's the first message in the series. Today, taking a look at Jonah chapter 1 and 2, and how the story of Jonah teaches us that God is both sovereign and merciful. Well, Encounter the Truth is able to stay on the station each day because of your generosity. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to say thank you by sending you a book written by Warren Wiersbe. It's called The Names of Jesus. And Jonathan, how does knowing the names of Jesus help us in our Christian walk? Well, the Bible's presentation
0: of who the Lord Jesus is 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 so rich and so varied, and one of the ways that the Bible helps us to get to know Jesus better is by teaching us his different names, and there are so many by which he is introduced to us in Scripture. We think of the Prince of Peace, we think of uh, the Carpenter— we think of the Lamb. Uh, we think of the firstborn and, and many others. And in this wonderful little book, the author helps us to explore the names of Jesus so that we can get to know Jesus better personally. And I think that's going to be so rich and so encouraging for those who are able
1: to get hold of this and to read it. Well, we'd love to send you a copy as our way of saying thank you for your financial support this month. To give a gift online, come visit our website, EncounterTheTruth.org, or call us at 833 833- 833 that might be easier to remember as 833-99-TRUTH or again our website is encounterthetruth.org for producer Mark Brutta and our Bible teacher Jonathan Griffiths, I'm Steve Hiller thanks for listening and I hope you'll join us next time